Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number 11 with Kent State men's basketball head coach, Rob Senderoff. So Rob, why don't you give us some background about yourself? But first, before we start, I just want to say congratulations on your contract extension and what does that mean to you and your program? Well, thanks, Lee. Um, first, I appreciate you asking me to be on. Um, you know, getting that that extension uh, recently, I think, you know, for our program, it certainly provides stability uh, in, in a very unstable college basketball environment. Um, so, so it's certainly good for for our program, for sure. Um, and, and just a little background on me, you know, I, I've, I've been here at Kent State now as the head coach. I just finished my 10th year. Uh, I've been at Kent, you know, on and off since 2003, uh, spent two years at Indiana as an assistant. But outside of that, I've been here at Kent State as an assistant coach and as a head coach uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, Kent is where my, my kids have grown up. Uh, the university has been great to me and, um, you know, glad to be you know, the coach here for, for as long as I have feel very, uh, very blessed in that regard. Um, you know, as we've talked about this profession is, is really, really crazy. And, um, to be able to have that type of stability, you know, is unusual. Obviously you're at Syracuse where (laughs) coach Bayheim, uh, has been the coach, you know, forever. Um, but, but it's rare. To, to have the type of stability that we've had here at Kent State. I have a number of former players on my staff, guys that I coached uh, that have gone on to play professionally or, or whatever it may be, and then have come back to start their coaching careers here. So just been very, very fortunate uh, that we've had, you know, a really good program, have been able to have a lot of success and, and seen our kids and our players uh, become young men, have families of their own, and, and become very successful in, in their careers after playing basketball. Yeah, that's awesome. I like, tell you guys, like, bring back, like, the former players to be assistant coaches, like, to start, to jumpstart their careers. Like, that's really cool how you guys do that. And, like, what were the steps you took to get to where you are today, like, starting, like, when you were in college? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I certainly, um, you know, have taken an unusual path you know, in terms of becoming a, a, a college basketball coach, um, you know, my, my route is unusual for sure. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways, uh, you know, to, to become a college coach. What, what I did, you know, I was, I was a very average at best high school basketball player. Some, some would say, below average. Uh, I went to University at Albany, SUNY Albany, uh, as a student, uh, tried out for the team, got cut. At the time, Albany was a Division III school. Um, and it just so happens that, that, that at the time, the junior varsity coach who cut me, uh, his name is James Jones, has been a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, and somebody that I've looked up to uh, for a long time. 
Uh, James Jones is now the coach at Yale University. And I think he's the winningest coach in the history of the Ivy League or, or very close to that. Uh, but James was there and, you know, sort of saw that I loved basketball um, and asked me to help him, you know, with his team. Uh, so I was sort of like a student assistant slash manager uh, for, for the team there. Uh, the, the head coach at the time was a, a legendary Division three coach named Doc Sowers, who had over 700 wins uh, there at Albany and, and was really a legendary Division three coach. Um, you know, Albany was making the transition to Division one, which they are now. They're, they're a really nice program in the America East Conference right now. But um, I was you know, helping out in any which way that I could. I'd go on recruiting trips with Coach Jones. Um, you know, I'd take stats uh, behind, the, behind the bench for Coach Sowers. Uh, I'd film practice. I'd be part of practice. You name it, I did it, um, whatever they, they needed to help their program. And, you know, when you're at a Division three school, you know, you don't have a ton of uh, – students that want to help and everybody needs help with their program right now I have some a, a great group of managers you know guys that are students here at Kent State the, those guys do so much behind the scenes to help us out setting up practice like I said filming practice uh, you know maybe taking guys to appointments or, or doing laundry or whatever it may be trying to help out behind the scenes uh, getting our meals, all those things. So I, I did those things at Albany and then was really, really fortunate. Um, I, I, as I was getting to graduate college, you know, trying to decide, okay, what, what do I want to do, you know, for my career or, or attempt to do? And was really lucky because I applied to go to graduate school at Miami of Ohio. And at the time, there was an unbelievable group of coaches that were that were there uh, when I applied. And um, I, I got into the grad program there at Miami, uh, was able to be a graduate assistant with the basketball team. And at the time that I was there during my two years there, uh, Jim Christian, the former coach at Boston College, uh, Thad Mata, the former coach at Ohio State, uh, Sean Miller, the coach at Arizona, former coach at Arizona. Herb Sendek was the head coach for, for one of my years. He's now the head coach at Santa Clara. Uh, he'd also been at NC State and Arizona State as a head coach. Um, Charlie Coles, who, who passed away recently, who became the head coach at Miami of Ohio and coached Wally Zerbiak to the Sweet 16. Uh, at Miami of Ohio, myself, and uh, James Whitford, who's the head coach at Ball State, were, were all on the same staff, along with some other really good coaches uh, who, who were there. But Brian Blaney, who's an, an assistant coach at Providence for a long time. So I really got to, to be at Miami of Ohio during the heyday of their program. Uh, Wally Zerbiak was a freshman. Uh, for one of my years there. And there were some great, great players 
uh, there. Ira Newbel is a guy who played in the NBA as well. So I was a GA for two years, had some unbelievable teams. And what I was doing was trying to, you know, just trying to get involved as, as best I can in, in terms of, you know, being around good players, working camps, trying to network and get to know as many people as I can uh, while I was, you know, single and, and young and, you know, really mobile. I could move anywhere, wherever I could go, I would go. So my, my graduate assistantship ended and uh, I had taken a job at a prep school up in Massachusetts called the Winchenden School, which at the time had some tremendous, tremendous Division One players uh, that were there. But during the summer, prior to me heading up to, to the Winchenden School, I had worked camps, like I said, worked uh, different college coaching camps throughout the summer. And uh, I was at Fordham University working their camp, and they had a job opening. And Nick McCorchuk, uh, who was the coach there, who, quite frankly, uh, the, the last time Fordham had success in the Atlantic 10, he was their coach. He was the A-10 coach of the year, uh, one of the two years that I worked for him. And uh, I know I'm giving you a long answer here, but he had an opening on his staff and interviewed me and offered me the job. So uh, I had some stuff up in Massachusetts. I went and got it and started to work at Fordham. Uh, I worked there for two years. And uh, after two years, you know, the, the guy who was the JV coach at Albany, uh, you know, through his coaching career had moved around a few times and became the head coach at Yale University. And he hired me there. Uh, and I spent two years there with him, uh, went down to Towson University for a year. And then uh, Jim Christian became the head coach at Kent State. And again, when I was a graduate assistant at Miami, you know, I didn't know that Jim's path would take him to Pittsburgh uh, as an assistant. Then he got out of the profession for a year and then went to Kent. Kent went to the Elite Eight. The coach left. He got promoted. And then all of a sudden I go to Kent State uh, to work for him. So. Um, the, the people I were, was around ha have been incredibly influential in my career and have given me, you know, some tremendous opportunities, you know, just being at the right place at the right time and sort of being fortunate and doing the best job I can do for the people that I worked with. You know, those connections that I made as a student assistant at SUNY Albany at, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, really turned out to be life-changing relationships and friendships and uh, gave me opportunities, you know, in this profession to, to be where I am right now. Yeah, that's great. And like, what were things you learned from each of the experiences you had leading up to where you are right now? Yeah, that's a good one too, Lee. You've got some good questions, man. Um, you know, what, what, what each, each guy that I've worked for and worked with, um, you know, I, I, I'll just quickly talk about a little bit, you know, Coach McCarchuk, his honesty, you know, with his players really resonated with me. He was, 
you know, he, he, he was very blunt uh, with his guys and, and you always knew where you stood with him. Uh, James Jones, when I worked for him, he took over. It was one of the worst programs in the country, if not the worst program in the country. He, he's turned Yale into a perennial Ivy League favorite. Um, his work ethic is, is unbelievable. Um, and, and nobody that I've ever been around ha- has had, you know, quite, you know, th- th- it was pure hard work and belief in himself that allowed that program, which was not very good to be, again, it's, it's an unbelievable program now year in and year out competing for the championship of the Ivy league and, and, and national, you know, they, they beat good teams too outside of just the Ivy league. Uh, Jim Christian is probably the best offensive coach that I've ever been around. Uh, His, his mind on the offensive side of the ball is, is incredible. You know, he's had an unbelievably successful career and, you know, he, he just got let go at Boston College, which is a really hard job. And, and he did a really good job there as well in the ACC, a tough league. Um, but, but his offensive basketball is, is unreal. I worked for Kelvin Sampson for two years. And I, and I would tell you that he's probably the best team builder I've ever been around. Um, his ability to get guys connected and, and to give of themselves for the team. Again, his confidence and the confidence he instills and toughness he instills in his teams are, are unreal. Obviously, again, he went to Houston and, and brought them to the final four this past year, something that hadn't been done in, in forever. Um, he, he's an incredible, incredible coach. And then I, I came back and worked before I became the head coach at Ken. I worked for Geno Ford who uh, is now the head coach at Stony Brook out on Long Island. And, and Gino's ability, you know, to, to not sweat the small stuff, um, to really know what's important, I think, you know, in terms of your program and in terms of your players, I, I thought he did a really good job with that. And, and for me, if anything, I was probably wound up a little too tight Early on in my coaching career, his ability to to be ultra competitive. He was a great player, Gino, at Ohio University. He's about five six, and was one of the best players to ever play in this conference, uh, the MAC. Uh, to be as as good a player as he was, you got to have unbelievable drive and competitiveness, which he has. But also his ability to not sweat the small stuff. And to really focus on what's important for winning and losing has been really instrumental to me. Gino's one of my closest friends, as is Jim, and uh, and all those guys are, are are mentors and close friends of mine um, that I've been able to be around, and they've all been very very impactful in my coaching career, and and hopefully in in the style and the the way that I coach. Yeah, that's like, that's awesome. And like really cool how you still keep in contact with them and like that they're mentors to you. So, 
So on to the next part of the podcast, what things have you learned about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that this pandemic, uh, obviously, it's impacted so many people in so many ways. Um, I still remember, like it was yesterday, we, we were up in Cleveland you know, getting ready to play in the MAC tournament. Uh, I remember the season getting shut down and how really difficult that was to talk to your players about, you know, at the time we didn't know, you know, what this was, what was COVID. We didn't really know. Uh, and it went from, you know, zero to a hundred real quick in terms of we were up in Cleveland uh, getting ready to play a game. Uh, we felt like our team was really peaking at the right time and thought we had a team that could win the conference tournament for sure. And, uh, you know, from our conference tournament getting shut down to, you know, the NCAA being, tournament being called off within, you know, six, eight hours was really, uh, you know, ju just surreal. And uh, talking to your players about, you know, the season ending was really difficult because at the time we didn't completely understand what, what was in front of us. Um, it's been a unique year and, and certainly a really challenging year, you know, for our players, I think for everyone, uh, adults and young people, but especially for young people, you know, if you can remember, and, and obviously you're in college, but for people my age, if they can remember what, what, you know, their senior years of high school or my, my daughter, this is her senior year of high school or your senior year of college, you know, the, the amount of fun and, and optimism that you felt during that time for, for my kids, you know, I have players, their senior year of college, they didn't have anyone get to see them play. Their family didn't get to see them play live. You know, that's just not easy. They, they, they had to get COVID tested four days a week um, at 8 a.m. every morning, you know, those four days a week just to play a game. We had games canceled throughout the year. Now, that's a lot smaller sacrifice to pay than, you know, some, some have lost loved ones to COVID. So that, that's obviously a much greater sacrifice and, and a much more serious sacrifice than than you know, a basketball game getting canceled. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm very well aware of that. But these guys have had to really sacrifice a great deal this past year. Our, our ways of communicating with players has changed. Um, the way we've recruited players has changed. I, I have a team right now, and, and I have 15 guys on the team. I think only three or four of them had visited our school prior to deciding to come here. So the, the whole, uh, you know, the whole dynamics has changed here over the past year. You know, I, I, I'm appreciative. My players are here for summer school right now uh, for this upcoming year. You know, I'm really appreciative of the fact that we get to work with them, uh, you know, be on campus with them. You know, some of the restrictions have obviously loosened up here and, and hopefully knock on wood, uh, if enough people can get vaccinated, this, this thing can be behind us. Um, but it's been, it, it's been challenging for sure in a lot of different ways. And, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm just looking fo- forward to and hopeful for this upcoming year, you know, that, that, that we have moved past this and we're able to get back to, you know, more of a business as usual mentality. Yeah, later in the podcast, we'll definitely talk about like the upcoming season. But for now, like, what is your coaching philosophy? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I can can really give you, you know, what the philosophy is, so to speak. We, we have a saying, you know, it's in our in our locker room. Um, we, we actually had a, a, a big tragedy amongst our program here this spring. We had a young man who was our, our director of basketball operations. He was 27 years old and he unexpectedly passed away due to a brain aneurysm. And, and, you know, I have a lot of sayings and a lot of different things in, in my locker room on, on the wall, a lot of quotes, a ton of different things that I had on, on, on the wall that I I would say, you know, what our program are about, our core values, things like that. But with Brian's passing, I don't know why, but, you know, the word, to me that that really hit home you know was was the word carpe diem which means seize the day and i don't know why that word just kept sticking in my head but you know when somebody that that you care about um that's worked with you he's been, he was with our program for six years you know dies unexpectedly there's different emotions that everybody goes through and, and that just that that word stuck in my head, carpe diem, to seize the day, because you just never know when, you know, when you're not going to get another day. Right. So what, what I did was I used the word carpe, C-A-R-P-E, and, you know, use that acronym to really try to hone in on all the thoughts of what our program is supposed to be about and all the things that we care about and value uh, as a program. And, and the C stands for competitiveness. I want really competitive guys here at Kent. I want guys with a chip on their shoulder with something to prove uh, that every day compete at a really high level. The A is for being appreciative of the opportunity that that we have. Um, Certainly there are some programs that have more, but there's also a lot of programs that have less. And, and I want our kids to be competitive. I want them to be appreciative. The R is for respectful. I want them to treat each other with respect. I want them to uh, treat our locker room with respect. I want them to treat the, the people that, you know, that, that go above and beyond our academic advisors, our strength coach, our, our equipment staff. I want them to, to treat all those people, the people that, you know, that, that clean up the locker room for them, uh, to clean, treat all those people with respect. C-A-R-P, the P is for process oriented. You know, we have a score, so you want to win every game, but there's a process to being a good basketball player. You got to put in the work. There's a process to being a good team. You got to be willing to sacrifice and, and care more about each other than yourself. That doesn't change no matter what team you're on. So the process, which is the P and then the E carpe, the E for carpe energy 
and enthusiasm every day. E E E. So energy and enthusiasm every day. So when I think about our core values, that word, you know, I, I had a lot of sayings in my locker room, a lot of quotes and a lot of things that, that mattered to me. But I, I really tried to refine that into the word carpe diem and, and using the acronym for carpe uh, to really try to hone in on, on what we value here at Kent State as a basketball program and what I want our players to value. Yeah, I really like the acronym and like, sorry for your loss that you and your program had to go through. Like, I, rem I remember too, like, connecting that, like, I don't know if you remember when Terrence Clark passed away from Kentucky, like, it was just like this, take it, taking every moment you have and like, life is too short. Like you just, just make sure you take in every moment. That's just really something that's resonated with me. and just. Like, because I remember reading, like, articles, like, after, like, about how John Calipari, the coach of Kentucky, were, like, usually, like, contacts his players, like, during the offseason, like, how he still keeps in contact with them. And then he forgot about Terrence Clark, and then he passed away. So it's like, like, that's a regret he would have to have. And just always, like, being in contact with those guys, like, still keeping connected and, like, because you never know when something's going to happen. Like you could be thrown in for a Cobra one day and something happens. So like, it's just, I was saying again, like just to take in every moment you have and building off the last question I asked, what are your standards for building a championship caliber team or program? Yeah, I think, I think it boils down to what, what, what we just talked about. And, and the other thing, you know, that, that I think is important in having, you know, a championship level team, a championship level program, you know, it, it takes a tremendous commitment, you know, but, but the thing I always, I, I, I often say to our players is, you know, the teams that are bad, it's not like they don't practice hard, right? Like they're practicing hard too, you know, they're working out right now too. They have good players too. So if everyone you're competing against, you know, they have good players, they, they're practicing every day, um, they're working hard. What, what is it that separates, you know, the really good teams from, from the teams that are average or, or just, okay, obviously one, you have to have some great players right so so that goes without saying right so you need really good players as you watch in in the playoffs here uh you know in the nba you know when when great players get hurt <laughs> it, it has an impact on the team so you know let, let's not forget that the players are are who ultimately win or lose the games 90 percent of the time uh and usually the team with the better ones wins but there is more to it than that because, you know, there's a lot of good players and, and, and a lot of good coaches. So to me, it's, it's that commitment and willingness to sacrifice yourself and your own individual agenda and ego for, for the sake of the team. And that's not easy to do because, you know, at my level, division one, uh, 
level basketball, everyone wants to play professionally. So, you know, it is important that you play well individually. Uh, you you want to have a good season individually. When, when you get to the NBA, you're playing for contracts. You're playing for your career. So you want to have good stats or you want to have a big impact on the team. But what, what I really notice when I watch these playoffs is, is, is the benches. That, that's really what I notice is how unbelievably enthusiastic those guys are for their teammates. And that, that takes sacrifice. You know, that takes a willingness to do things that, that, you know, other players maybe aren't willing to do. Um, you know, the great screeners don't always get credit in the box score, but, you know, great screens are, are what help, you know, guys get open for shots. Great rebounders, you know, are, are what help your fast break get started. Uh, guys that execute and make extra passes. You know, those are things, guys willing to sacrifice their bodies and take a charge or dive on the floor for a loose ball or tip a ball and save it and keep it alive. So we chart those things. We have a board in our locker room. Uh, I, I got this from, from Coach Sowers, the coach at Albany that I mentioned. It's called the WEGO board, W-E-G-O. And it charts all of those things. You know, all the things that don't show up in the stat sheet, but are incredibly important for how your team wins. And then what I say is everybody has an ego, E-G-O, but these are the things that help we, we go, our team, what helps our team go. And we have an award at the end of the year for our we go award winner, guy who did the most of those little things throughout the season that helped us be successful. And for me, that's our most important award is our WeGo award winner. And their, their name's up in the locker room and is up there for forever because that that's what I think really separates teams is the willingness to sacrifice and do the little things to help your team win. Yeah. Like, like even like I've been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs and just, the little things, not just the big things, but like scoring and like the triple doubles, like Kevin Durant's huge performance last night. Like there were other guys on that Brooklyn Nets team who contributed to Kevin Durant's historic performance. So those little things matter as much as Kevin Durant's big performance does too. So like for the final part of the podcast, like, if you can give us a preview on what we should expect from your program next season would be great, greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited about our team. Um, you know, my coaching staff did a, a really, really good job this spring under, under difficult circumstances, um, not being able to have kids visit. Uh, obviously we had some, some turnover on our staff. I had a coach, take another job. And, I, and, and as I mentioned, the passing of one of our, our staff members. So uh, we were a little short staff for, for most of the spring. Um, we had a couple guys transfer, you know, one or two of them was a little bit unexpected because they're guys that were playing and that, that, you know, I thought were happy and, and, 
had told me they were looking forward to being back and ready for this upcoming year. So in, in the spring, our, our staff did, did a lot of work trying to find uh, good, talented players, but who fit what, what we're looking for as a program. And, and I thought we, we did a great, great job. So uh, my, my assistants really deserve all of the credit for, for where we are here right now. So we just started summer school. We have all 13 of our players here. We return a really good nucleus of guys. Um, you know, return a, a point guard uh, named Giovanni Santiago, who started almost every game for us last year and, and really played a ton of minutes, was one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. Uh, Malik Jacobs is a strong guard who was on the all-defensive team in our league. Uh, Travell Beck, his nickname's Nunu, and Nunu was our uh, third-leading scorer and really experienced, versatile player, plays inside, plays outside. Um, a really tough matchup for guys uh, on the other team, and he, he, he really stepped up late in the season, had a really good end of, of his year. Uh, after being hurt at the beginning of the season. And we return a kid named Justin Hamilton, who's 6'11", um, who averaged close to nine points and uh, six or seven rebounds last year. So those four guys started almost every game, those four guys. And then we return a kid off the bench, Jeremiah Hernandez, who played in every game about 15, 16 minutes a night. Uh, had some big games and, and some really big moments as a freshman last year, who I think is ready to take a jump as a player. And that that that's five returners, uh, a kid named Vaughn Cameron Davis, who was Mr. Basketball in the state of Ohio. You know, he he really got hit with the covid shutdowns this past year and 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 really struggled because we weren't here for the summer. And then he got shut down, you know, for for contact tracing purposes missed a lot of time this past year. So uh, he's had a really good start to his off season. So those are the guys returning. Uh, and then we added a, a number of players that I think are going to be really, really impactful. We signed three freshmen, um, you know, two kids from Ohio, a guard from Columbus, Jalen Sullinger, a big kid from Toledo, Claron Hornbeck, uh, we signed a tremendous athlete from Chicago area, Julius Rollins. So those were the three freshmen. And then in the spring, we added some transfers. Um, and, and we had a kid from, from Rhode Island, DJ Johnson, who can really, really shoot the ball. Was a 37% three-point shooter. He's got length and athleticism. He's a really good shooter. Uh, a kid from Vanderbilt, uh, who, who, Akeem Odesipe who is a big, strong, athletic, uh, big kid inside, physical, tough rebounder who transferred here from Vanderbilt. Uh, and then a kid named Andrew Garcia, who transferred from Georgia, who uh, actually started his career at, at, at Stony Brook and then transferred to Georgia and then is coming here for his last year. He's a very much a proven uh, Division one player averaged double figures at Stony Brook and, and averaged close to nine points a game at, at Georgia in the SEC. And then during Christmas break, we had a kid who transferred home 
from Duquesne, who was an all-conference, preseason all-conference player in the Atlantic 10, named Sincere Carey, a really, really good guard who I think will be one of the top, you know, top five to 10 players in our conference would be my expectation. Uh, and obviously he has to go out there and prove it, but uh, he wanted to come home. He's from right around Kent, about 30 minutes from here. And again, I think this COVID, him being in isolation at, at, at Duquesne and uh, the, the way everything was this year, he, he just wanted to get home. So he came here in December of last year. He'll be eligible here this, this fall as well. So I, I really like the group that we have. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of time between now and, and when we start the year, and there's a lot of things that will be sorted out. But in terms of our talent, uh, in terms of our experience, in terms of guys that know, you know, what, what we're looking for, uh, here at Kent, I, I think we have a really good nucleus and a really good group back. It's, it's a, it's a tremendous league that we're in the Mac. It's probably, you know, in my opinion, it's the best conference where there's only one team that, that makes the tournament and maybe, We'll be fortunate, you know, a couple of years ago, Buffalo would have gotten an at-large bid, but they won the conference tournament. Um, but hopefully, you know, we, we are strong enough to, to, to win our league, and, and it is a really good league. Um, but, but I think we'll be very competitive. I think we'll certainly have a chance in terms of our talent. And now, obviously, we need guys to stay healthy. We need guys to get better. Uh, we need to get guys to buy into roles when it's time for that. Right now in the summer, I want guys just working on getting better as an individual. But uh, I'm really looking forward and excited to, for, for this upcoming year because I feel really good about the group we have. Yeah, that's awesome how you guys kept that nucleus of guys from last year, like brought in the recruits, brought in the transfers. Like, I'm really excited to watch you guys play. And I love like, everything you had to say in this podcast. Like, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And thank you to everyone who, who will listen to this podcast and have a great night.